Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. It has gone to his head. And he did great things. I mean, there's no discrediting it. However, he has failed to remember the fact that he has been told repeatedly by some Jewish young men, you're only here because God put you here. Nearly every leader in the world feels the privilege, prestige, and honor that comes with their power. It's hard to experience those things and not let them go to your head. That's exactly what happened to Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. He even built a statue to honor himself. Yet, as Pastor James teaches us today, those in power are put there by God, and all authority ultimately belongs to God. And one day, God will humble every leader and remind them who the true leader is. He does this for Nebuchadnezzar in order to bring him to faith in God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Okay, so Daniel chapter 4, let's go ahead and turn there if you don't mind. It's a little bit lengthy to a certain extent, but uh, the way these kind of, it's, it's almost like a history slash narrative, a little bit prophetic stories kind of go together. They, they just go uh, pretty fast. So Daniel chapter 4, kind of, um, we fast forward a little bit in Nebuchadnezzar's reign and concerning him, concerning Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel wasn't in that story, and Daniel will be in chapter 4, but time has passed since Daniel chapter 3. How much time? Well, nobody really knows, uh, to be honest with you. Some would say there's one like Greek text that says 18 years, but I don't think that's really that accurate, honestly. Um, we know that this is at the end of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, okay? So this will be like our farewell to Nebuchadnezzar, because we will not hear from him or see him again in the book of Daniel, right? So this is it, and this is the way to go, all right? Um, I don't know what your life is like. I don't know how, if, uh, I mean, maybe you're following the Lord, maybe you're not, maybe you're trying to figure it all out. Nebuchadnezzar was not a follower of God until like Daniel chapter four in the very end. Did he get saved and all that stuff? There's really no reason to believe he didn't get saved. Um, Now we can argue about some of that stuff, but will I be surprised if you walk into eternity, new heaven, new earth, and there's Nebuchadnezzar? I'm not going to be all that surprised. Uh, Will I be surprised if he's not there? Probably not. I don't know. Um, It's neither here nor there. It's kind of a thing. But he has this encounter with the living God that like really does change his life. Um, He's already had two previous encounters with the living God. And I think those were like the Lord kind of getting a hold of his attention. And then again, graciously enough, getting hold of his attention again. And then here in Daniel chapter four, this is why I kind of think this was like the final surrender for Nebuchadnezzar. 
This was it. So let's look what happens as Nebuchadnezzar himself is going to tell us what happened in Daniel chapter four. This is what's so cool about this. This could be technically be considered a Babylonian text, um, an actual Babylonian historical text. Now, historians will absolutely discredit this and they have discredited this story and all this good stuff. But I will let you know that the, this latter part of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, there's not a lot of history written about his life. There's a lot of gaps. And chronologically, where this story falls into place really could have been within one of those historical gaps. So you can't, I mean, you can't say this didn't happen. And people try to, but there's no leg to stand on. Uh, And the Bible, which is very historically accurate, says it did happen. And so we're going with that. So Daniel chapter four, verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world, throughout the world, throughout the known world, okay? Um, Obviously, he's not sending this out to every man, woman, and child on the planet Earth because that just wasn't going to happen back then. But the known world that he, quote unquote, had conquered, he was going to make this very um, broad proclamation. He wants everybody to understand this message. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. Well, that's a change. That's quite the change from this guy. Babylon itself was very, um, you know, the worship of multi-polytheist, multi-gods. They had, and and I'll read you some facts in a little bit, but uh, Nebuchadnezzar himself had, you know, probably had devoted himself to multiple Babylonian gods, right? Um, But here he's saying, I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders, the most high, most high God, the God that the God of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, that most high God has performed for me. Here's my testimony is what he's saying. Verse three says, how great are his signs, how powerful his wonders, his kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. My goodness, this is a great proclamation from a pagan king. Uh, this, this is, again, this is his testimony, so to speak. Verse four, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity or in peaceful times, okay? But one night I had a dream that frightened me. This is the second dream we've noticed with Nebuchadnezzar there, or actually maybe the third one there. He says, I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in bed. So I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant, right? So this time he's letting them know, again, well advanced in age, probably at the end of his reign, so to speak, all these magicians and wise men and all that good stuff are more than likely ones, not that he had inherited from his father, but that he himself had appointed. So he probably trusts these guys. So he doesn't have to throw out a thing to them to see if they're legit or not or with him or not by saying, tell me what I dreamed, like it ended Daniel chapter two, right? He's going to let these guys know, I'm going to tell you my dream and I, I need you guys to tell me what it means. And he does that, verse seven, it says, when all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, fortune tellers came in, he says, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. So at least they're honest because usually those guys are blowing a lot of smoke, right? They're like, oh, I'll tell you what it means. Nebuchadnezzar, you're the best and the greatest ever. You are, oh, you're the best. I mean, there, our, our economy has never been better than when you've been in rule. 
All right. They, no, yeah. See, no, no, no platitudes from these dudes. They're like, I, I don't know what it means, man. We have no idea. But he's not left high and dry because he knows he has one. He knows he has one guy. At last, verse 8, Daniel came in before me and I told him the dream. He was named Belshazzar after my God. And this, the spirit of the holy gods is with him, right? So he obviously has identified something different and significant about Daniel. Not just Daniel, but Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. Is that the spirit of God here in different translations, it may say gods. But ultimately what he's saying is the spirit of the living God lives in these guys, and not in the stone statues that we erect and do all that stuff, but he like lives, he lives in them, totally foreign and different for these guys. He noted that. Verse 9, he says, I said to him, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. While I was laying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Okay. So there's part one. He's like, I'm dreaming. There's this big tree and it's like the biggest and the best and it's the most healthy. And it, it, it didn't just benefit some, it was benefiting all. But there's a problem. The dream goes on. It says, then as I was laying there dreaming, I saw a messenger or in Aramaic, a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches or scatter the animals, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. So basically this messenger, this angel comes down from heaven and is like, chop them down, chop down the tree, chop down the tree, strip off the branches, strip away all the leaves, but leave a stump and leave that stump. And on that stump, bind it with uh, bronze and iron, and then have a little bit of tender grass around the stump. But it's time to cut down the tree. To scare away the animals, strip this tree of all its glory, of all its power, of all its prestige. It's time to bring this tree back down to, back down to earth. And that's, so he's like, okay, but, but then something else happened. He says, now let him... Now, it goes from like the tree to identifying him as him. Be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field for seven periods of time. And we believe that's seven years, okay? Seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been the decree by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them the kingdoms of the world. Uh, he gives them to anyone he chooses, even the lowliest of people. And all the people said, amen to that. <laughs> this, this is the dream he has. And he's like, look, Daniel, Belshazzar, man, there was a tree. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And then this angel came and they chopped that sucker down. <laughs> 
and then they stripped all the branches and the leaves, the animals were scattered, put some, some bronze and some iron around the stump that was left there. And then he switches it from like talking about a tree to this individual using this personal pronoun there of him. He says, then this, him, he would be covered in dew and he would lose his mind. The rational, logical mind of a human would be substituted for that of an animal. And this is all to communicate this one very important lesson that God is in control. He is in control of everything that happens on this world. And I don't care who the leaders are, whether they're great leaders or whether they're morons. And God's like, yeah, I put those guys in place too. And that probably may be more baffling than anything. Because, I mean, he gives them to anyone he chooses, even the lowliest of people. Now, that can be translated in a couple of different ways, like the ones who maybe never, you would never expect to rise so high, or the ones who have risen so high, and you're like, how in the world did they get there, right? Like, you can look at that in two different ways, and you'd probably be right in viewing that in that way. So he calls out to Daniel, Belshazzar, that was a dream that I had. King Nebuchadnezzar, or that was a dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means, for none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so, but you can tell me because the spirit of the holy God is in you. He's like, Daniel, you've done it before, I need you to do it again, right? So he tells him this, and upon hearing this, Daniel is disturbed by this. It's almost as if the realization, maybe as Nebuchadnezzar was telling him the dream, the spirit of God was telling Daniel, hey, buddy, this is what this means. Because he gets the interpretation immediately, and it absolutely shuts him down. Upon hearing this, verse 19, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, uh, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowing in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord. And not to you. The tree you saw growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. Uh, It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heaven and your rule to the ends of the earth. This is what the dream means. Your majesty and what the most high has declared will happen to my Lord, the king. You will be driven from human society and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. So, The dream is Nebuchadnezzar has, I mean, he is given this God dream one more time. 
And he, what he wouldn't learn in Daniel chapter 2 with the statue and the fact that, look, Nebuchadnezzar, you represent this golden head of this statue, you, i.e. Babylon, but that's not going to last. And then we see in Daniel chapter 3 that Nebuchadnezzar, years down the road, was like, you know what? That whole statue thing was really great, but the whole thing should have been gold. So let's build a really tall 70-foot statue of gold because that's what I'm worthy of. So he missed the first dream. He missed all that good interpretation and, and the little heads up that God had been giving him. So God gives him another dream. Sometimes the way, the, the best way to God, uh, for God to speak to certain individuals is, is through their dreams. Why? Well, because sometimes that's the only time they'll slow down. They'll slow down. I don't know what Nebuchadnezzar was like during the daytime or, you know, in his awake hours, but more than, I mean, he wasn't paying attention to much of anything. But in his unrestful nights as a leader, because leaders most of the time have unrestful nights, especially when you're approaching the end of it all, because you know the next guy's coming up. Maybe that would be his son. We know it would be. Well, we'll see that it's his grandson. But for whatever reason, in the middle of the night, God speaks to Nebuchadnezzar. And he does it through dreams. And he gives him this heads up. This is what's so amazing about God, because God could have been like, look, Nebuchadnezzar, man, I, I used you how I wanted to, because he, he brought the captives he, you know, from Israel. He used Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon to initiate, really to bring upon judgment to the nation of Israel, because they were deserving of it. They didn't want to obey God. And God had told them, look, an enemy is going to be coming. I'm actually directing them to, towards you, and they will take you away as captives for 70 years. God used Nebuchadnezzar. But God was also gracious to this pagan Gentile king by giving him multiple chances to, hey, come worship me. Just because you're a pagan, just because you're a Gentile, doesn't mean that you can't worship God. That's the beauty about this. And God reached out to Nebuchadnezzar maybe one more time with this dream. And here it is again, man. Nebuchadnezzar, he was a great leader. And I use that term great to mean this. He was very effective in his rule. He was able to conquer a lot. I'm not saying he was a great guy because history would tell us that he wasn't all that great of a guy. He was actually really cruel. But he, he has this dream, and, and you, you see it. I mean, it's the tree, and it goes all the way up to the heavens, and the, the branches spread far and wide, and it is a fruitful tree, and other people are benefiting off of this, the life of this tree, which would have been true, especially for the people of Babylon, because Babylon was enjoying like a very prosperous time during Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Man, they were accomplishing a lot of things, and they had good stuff going on in Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar was ruling there. He did a whole lot, and actually we'll see that in just a second, as he forgets all about the dream and all about the interpretation and all about the, the admonition from Daniel. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, here's my encouragement for you. Here's my advice. Repent. 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 Stop sinning. Do what is right. Do what's right. Nebuchadnezzar, this is a warning. This is a heads up. God has given you a heads up. He's given you a chance to stop what you're doing and just pay attention. Maybe he was neglecting the poor. Some way or another, he had to be been because Daniel includes within there, you know, break free from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Maybe he was just unjust towards the poor. 
oftentimes leaders look down upon the poor, right? It's, it's all about, we see this, I mean, time and time again. I mean, it's, the poor are only good for basically one thing, and that's votes, okay? Um, and we can manipulate them, and we give them a bunch of free stuff to keep them on our side and make sure they vote the right way and all this stuff. Oftentimes, and it's sad, not every leader, because there are good, I think within our nation, there are good leaders who care about the poor, but there's a lot of leaders who do not care, even though they say it, they don't care about the poor. And I'm talking to you, Democratic Party. It's true. It's true. Don't champion the poor when you don't care about the poor. You're hypocrites. And that's true. All it takes is doing a little bit of history. And you see that. We live in a city, close to a city called Houston, Texas, uh, that is by and large democratically controlled. And they do not care about the poor. They don't. They don't. We see that. If you live here, you know that, right? Anybody watching online, all that good stuff? Look, I'm not knocking you if you're a Democrat. I don't really care about any of that stuff, honestly. But what I am saying is don't say you represent something when you actually don't represent something. Leaders who have access to resources like Nebuchadnezzar would have should be taking care of those who can't take care of themselves. And I think oftentimes that's what, what quote-unquote, the poor means. It's not talking about lazy people who won't get off their rear ends and do stuff. It's talking about those who actually can't. They should be taking care of the poor. Nebuchadnezzar, stop from your wicked past. Break free from your wicked past. Show mercy to the poor. Show mercy to those who are in desperate need of mercy. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Daniel says, look, dude, all you got to do is just repent. What you need to do is repent, and God has given you the opportunity to repent. So stop this and do what's right. And Nebuchadnezzar forgets all about it. He forgets all about it. We know he forgets all about it because a year later, the fulfillment of this prophetic dream happens. Verse 28. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. They all did. Twelve months later, he was walking or taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. It has gone to his head. And he did great things. I mean, there's no discrediting it. However, he has failed to remember the fact that he has been told repeatedly by some Jewish young men, you're only here because God put you here. You're only in charge because God put you in charge. And you better recognize that because as quickly as you ascended, you can be cast out. He's walking around the flat of the roof and he's like, man, look at, look how awesome I am. Really, look how awesome I am. He's like taking selfies all over and hashtag I did that and all this nonsense. He loved it. The hanging gardens. I did that. That's me. These Babylonian outer walls that were 56 miles long, 80 feet wide, 320 feet high according to... uh, Uh, Herodotus, the Greek historian, 
He's like, I did all this. Look what I built. Look at the kingdom I built. of Daniel is so interesting because many of the prophecies spoken of have played out in the course of history. What an amazing glimpse of what was to come ahead of time. If there's one thing that's for sure about prophecy in the Bible, it is going to come true. Some of these things might seem a little scary or altogether strange, but how cool is it that God brings everything to a place where He's in control? and he'll bring about good in the end. If you're wrestling with things being out of your control, be reminded through the book of Daniel that God has got this. Here at Bread for the Broken, we want to be a support to you in whatever you're currently walking through. And if you'd like to use us as a resource or just give a listening ear, we're here for you. Go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact to leave a message for us. We'd love to get to know you in person, too. So join us Sundays or Wednesdays as we study God's Word together. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to find out our service times and directions. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? Much is done to get these teachings on the radio, and we're thankful for those who feel led by God to contribute in such a way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find a donate link. Also, if you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for listening today to Bread for the Broken. 